0: A warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm awfully glad to uh, be spending this hour with Dr. Andy scudinger He is a psychology professor at North Central University in the greater twin cities of Minneapolis St. Paul. And one of the topics that I wanted to return to talking uh, to Andy about was emotional intelligence, because I, I think it's something that Pretty important, yeah. And I also, hey Andy, how are you? By the way, I'm going to be bringing you out of the show.
1: <laughs> I'm great, thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I also think too um, is as we're going to talk about some of the signs of emotional intelligence. Um, for example, are are you a person that that has a strong sense of curiosity about other people? Because if you do have a strong sense of curiosity, you probably have a higher emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, that that's a great a great sign of it. Actually, um, of course. Now I can't say I'm really curious about people myself. That would <laughs> yeah that would that would be pretty self serving, wouldn't it? I, yeah. Bill, I'm super curious about all of your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I that get, you bring that up.
0: Yeah. Well, EQ. We'll just refer to it as EQ throughout this hour. Um, yeah. You, you've got a, You've got an ability to to perceive or uh, evaluate or or just use emotions to to communicate and relate to other people effectively. And if you're doing that, I bet your your evangelism skills are much sharper.
1: I think that makes a ton of sense. I think you're exactly right. There are yeah, there there are a lot of ways to reach people, but one of them is by understanding them well and helping people feel heard and, and understood. I think that's a that's a huge piece of what effective evangelism probably looks like.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there's some experts in your field, Andy, that would say that emotional in- intelligence is even more important than IQ for
1: success in life. I actually think that tends to be true in a lot of cases. Now, if you are a chemical engineer, that might not be as important, true. not because engineers don't deal with people, right. um, but you're going to need a different probably a more concrete type of intelligence that's more mathematically oriented, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, yeah, like, like an evangelist or, or a pastor or anybody who provides kind of like direct people service to other human beings, having a high IQ is definitely going to have a major impact on how well you relate to other people um, and how you can kind of interpret them and understand them. That's going to be more important than having an IQ of 140, for example, because um, not everybody with a high IQ is great with people. Um, True. In fact, there's research that shows that the higher your IQ, the less likely you're going to do well with other people, and it almost might be a barrier to success. So, there's there's a lot of ways to look at intelligence, but just focusing on emotional intelligence, I think I I don't think I've ever heard of someone say you can be too emotionally intelligent. That that's I've never really heard that.
0: Mm-hmm. When I look at what Scripture teaches about. The heart, and we we see the heart all over the New Testament, mm-hmm. and it's always rel- relative to your your thinking and what you're prioritizing. Mm-hmm. It has v- almost nothing to do with how you're feeling. So it's yeah. it's how we're thinking. Uh, the word "cardia" in the Greek is 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 the, is love the Lord your God with the decisions you make, which I've always l- loved that.
1: Yeah, I like that too. I think. Uh... You know, key part of emotional intelligence is being self-aware and understanding your own emotions, which is really important when you're fired up about something to be able to step back, think about what you're doing and make a little bit more of a logical response to things rather than an emotional response because so many times, I mean we every, everyone listening knows this, right? We've we've all made a really bad decision because we were emotional and we made an emotional choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do this with everything from food to, you know, humor to, you know, business decisions. You know, I just feel like I really want to help these people out. Well, that's great, but you ruined your business, right? Because you don't (laughs) charge enough money or you, you know, Mm -hmm. you make you, somebody makes you upset. You blow up in anger when, if you just would have thought for a second, maybe they're coming from a place I don't understand. That's, that's good emotional intelligence, being able to see that before you act on something.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you heard this as a kid, Andy, but I still know with a lot of you know kids graduating from high school and college right now that they've heard the graduation speech where it says, you can go do anything you want to do. Um, you can be whatever you <laughs> want to be. I don't know how you're feeling about That's that. That's a but lie. It is a lie. But I think a, a sign of emotional <laughs> intelligence is is an as an awareness
1: of your strengths and your limitations. Oh, absolutely. That's a that's a huge piece. I, I talk to my students about that a lot. You know, in, in in my introductory psychology course, I it's a little bit for shock value, but I always tell them early on in the class, look, I want to be very clear about something. You can't be whatever you want to be. That's, that's a lie that society tells you because I wanted to be a professional baseball player when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't have the athletic gifts to be able to do that. I didn't. And people who tell you that are not telling you the truth. You cannot be just whatever you want to be. And um, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. And you're exactly right, Bill, about the lack of awareness of our weaknesses. That really holds people back in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I've had that in my own life where I just didn't realize something about myself that was a barrier. And I probably didn't even want to believe it. And so having that self-awareness would have helped me quite a bit.
0: Well, if you understand your limitations, I think you're gonna be more transparent with people too, especially if you're yeah. talking to them about your faith and somebody says asks you a question and instead of trying to fake your way through an answer, you might just say, well, you know what? That is a great question and I don't know how to answer that today, but I, I love being a student of the Bible and I'm gonna dig into that and find the answer and then I'll get back, I'll, I'll call you and we'll have coffee again and I'd love to talk to you about it.
1: I think that's a great response. And again, that's that's emotional intelligence—being able to recognize. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't know, I don't have. Nobody has all the answers. And if, anytime we start pretending like we do, we're going to get into trouble because somebody's going to call us on it and and point out you don't know what you're talking about. And that's that's always embarrassing.
0: Mm-hmm. So Andy, if your if your emotional intelligence is developed, and I don't know how you can improve upon that, I hope you can share some of your perspective on how you improve upon emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, there's a few things that you can do. Um, probably the, the number one thing, honestly, is to practice listening. And that's easy to do because you just start up a conversation with someone and you work harder and try harder to not think about your response to not think about your feelings of what they're saying, but just to really listen and listen carefully. And I think that's actually quite hard to do for most people. Um, and that's why it takes practice, but you can certainly improve on your listening skills. Um, there's whole conferences out there for listening, like there's an international conference of listening. I had a former professor. Love that who was a communications professor. And every year he would go to this gigantic listening conference. And one time I felt kind of smug and I said, well, at a listening conference, who actually does the talking? (laughs) And and then he kind of looked at me with that, you know, that kind of eye that professors give you when a student's being kind of a smart aleck. So Mm -hmm. I never asked him about it again, but you can certainly, you can certainly improve listening skills. That's probably number one. Mm
0: -hmm. So if you're able to identify and, and describe, what people are feeling when you're in a conversation with them you're going to you're going to show you're going to let them know that you are listening to them and yeah. they're going to probably be much more willing to open up
1: oh yeah yeah, you can, and you can do that in in different ways. I mean, you can you can mirror people's body positions. You can kind of mirror their body language, and if they are, you know, if they have kind of a down position, you can slump with them. You know, if they're standing with their arms folded, you can stand with your arms folded. So there's there's mirroring techniques that you can use when you're talking to somebody to kind of let them know you're you're into them. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know, obviously not in a romantic way. I mean, that's kind of a weird statement. You're, I'm really into you, right? Um, <laughs> we usually talk about it like in dating situations, but that's how that's how good dates go too, right? Is when you're really into the person you're with. So you can demonstrate that just by your body positioning and your body language. Um, that's, that's one way, you know, not, re, you know, or resisting the temptation to pull out your phone. You feel it vibrating. You know, you're getting a text um, or a couple of texts. And when you're in a conversation with somebody, when you just leave it alone and maintain your full attention on them, you don't have to say anything and they'll understand implicitly you're paying attention to me Mm -hmm. and that makes people feel good and it makes them feel maybe not special, but it makes them feel worthwhile. And so that's a, that's a great skill to develop just by paying full attention to the person that you're talking to.
0: Yeah. Well said. Dr. Andy Skuttinga is my guest. He's a psychology professor at North Central University. And we're talking about emotional intelligence, which uh, a lot of people say is more, uh, more important than, than your, intellectual your iq for success in life and i would uh, probably agree uh with the exception of certain professions that uh, the intelligence level is is pretty important but when it comes to things like self-confidence and self-acceptance i think you function at a much more joyous level um and you have a much more emotional intelligence when you are at a place of self self self-confidence and self-acceptance yes well said yeah, well, anything more to add to that? Because I could go for a while on this one because I hear all the time about people struggling with self-confidence and with self-acceptance.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. And I don't know if that's getting worse or not, um, but it's something we can definitely talk more about. All right, let's take a little break. We'll be back. If you have a
0: question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. 877-933-2484 the idea of emotional intelligence the good news is i think we can all improve on that we can uh, we can gain we can gain ground in this uh, area so get your questions over or your comments 8779332484 dr andy skudinga is my guest and we'll be right back lots more with andrew
1: Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen Laburge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LeBurge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe.
0: I'm with Dr. Andy Scuddinga. He is a psychology professor, and he also loves Jesus. So I love to talk about those things at the same time. And whenever I have a psychologist on, I always like to ask the psychologist-type questions. And we're talking today about emotional intelligence. And Andy, maybe before we talk about what it is, is it helpful to maybe talk about uh, what what signs of, of bad emotional intelligence might be? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, when probably obtuseness is a <laughs> yeah. sign of low emotional intelligence. Now, we're all obtuse sometimes, right? I mean, we've all probably been accused. I've been accused of being obtuse from time to time, where I'm just not catching on to the cues, the social mm-hmm. cues. Um, but when you're kind of chronically missing the point of what's going on around you, um, that's not a sign of high emotional intelligence. Yeah. Or when you struggle to empathize with other people, When you struggle to listen carefully to others, um, I think self-centeredness in conversations is a sign of low emotional intelligence. When, um, you know, for example, I have a particular neighbor who will ask you a question and he'll say, oh, so, you know, what are you doing in your front yard? And you start and 10 seconds in, you immediately know he's bored and he's looking around. And then as soon as there's a break, he's like, well, you know what I'm going to do to my yard it, that that's a sign of low. That's a, I think that's a great example of low emotional intelligence. Okay.
0: Well, I I came up with a list of a couple just to run by you.
1: How about someone who's highly opinionated? I don't think that's. It depends on how they handle it. Okay. I mean, um, I'm highly opinionated. My kids would probably tell you that um, about some things. Other things, you know, you don't you don't care, right? Yeah. I think it's how you share those opinions with others. Okay. You know, when you're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I think, you know, when someone's halfway through their opinion and you're butting in to let everybody know how smart your opinion is, I think that's a low sign of, that's that's a sign of lower emotional intelligence. It's when you are able to listen to someone's full opinion, maybe ask them a question, maybe get some clarifying information, and then hopefully they will say to you, well, what do you think about it? Mm -hmm. That's, There's two people who have probably higher levels of emotional intelligence, and now you're in a good conversation um, and not just talking at somebody. And Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, for me personally, that's something that I have to be careful of because I can easily start talking at people. And sometimes I miss the cues that I'm talking too much, which is why, That's, but that's also part of why I like being a college professor and coming on your show because I get to talk, right? And so- Mm -hmm. Part of my development of my own emotional intelligence has been recognizing when it's time to stop, and that's still a work in progress, to be completely frank.
0: Yeah. But if you're highly opinionated all the time, I, would, might, I might think that you've got, you're lacking some self-awareness mm-hmm. because you're always the one that has to be sharing the opinion, which yeah. I don't think is a sign of high emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair, actually. Okay.
0: What about um, just being insensitive and just really a lack of empathy? That's probably a, that's bad emotional.
1: Yeah, that's a it? pretty big bell ringer for for lower EQ. Okay. Um, and some people really struggle with empathy. I mean, I, I think there's levels of kind of giftedness in this area. You know, if, if any good therapist, for example, is is going to have very high levels of empathy. You have to. I mean, that that's just a basic job requirement if you're going to be a therapist. Um, but. There's only so many therapists in the world, right? So mm-hmm. um, we're not we're not all good at doing therapy with one another, or else we wouldn't have a need for therapists. So there's some giftedness there amongst individuals that I think is important to recognize. Um, but again, it's it's possible for sure to develop higher levels of of empathy, and you do that by deliberately putting yourself in someone else's shoes and then thinking about what would it feel like if I was that person, or mm-hmm. If I was listening to myself, would I be bored or would I be annoyed? Those are good questions that we can ask ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And if you put yourself in another person's shoes and they tell you how angry they are about the way their life turned out because they've never had a relationship with God and then you talk about God and they say, I'm not interested in God, you can start to understand how they would feel that, yeah, your life didn't go well. I can see why you would be mad at the idea of a God because we sometimes are so angry, and we're so quick to want to blame others. And I think when we lack, when we don't want to take accountability, I think that probably is another sign of of bad emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right.
0: I like that. You've said that a couple times. I appreciate that. I think you're exactly right.
1: Well, I mean, I call it the way I see it, Bill. (laughs) When you're exactly right, you're exactly right. Of course, that's my opinion. So maybe... (laughs) I might be exhibiting some low emotional intelligence by just telling you you're exactly right. Yeah, you could be. We were. This is. We should do a new
0: question. All right, let's move on. What about um, (laughs) if you have poor coping skills? Poor coping skills. Yeah. You you, maybe you you have low motivation and it's you feel overwhelmed all the time and um, is that a sign of? of bad or low emotional intelligence?
1: I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Um, that's an interesting one because I think you could have high EQ and yet s- struggle with that a little bit. That's, that's a really good question. I'm, okay. I'm uh, s- Say it again, if you don't well, mind. it's, it's just when you have poor coping skills. Yeah.
0: You just have a hard time coping and it, Almost produces a a low motivation.
1: Yeah, I think that really want to do much. I think that does fit into that category, Bill. Um, Because coping skills are they're they're essential, right? I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why people suffer from anxiety and depression is part of it. Is in many cases a lack of of coping skills of knowing how to handle it when things aren't going well, or when you've been rejected, for example, or when you're feeling sad and you just don't know what to do um i think that is definitely tied to some degree to your own levels of emotional intelligence and learning enough about yourself for example where does that where do those feelings come from you know if you take anxiety um if you look at it why am i feeling anxious about this is it because i have Anxiety about this because I've had this happen a number of times to me before and it never goes well. Do I have this kind of vague anxiety feeling from really nowhere? And that self-awareness is definitely indicative of higher levels of EQ because the more you understand about yourself, the better your coping skills are going to be because you're going to be able to point to something in your history or in your background that says, "Ah, ah, now I know why I'm upset about this. It's because it reminds me of this time of, you know, X happened to me okay, I don't need to get so worried about this because I know what to do. I think that's a a sign of
0: higher-ordered emotional intelligence. Yeah, I like that. All right, Andy, let's uh, talk about self-regulation. So if if I have unpredictable emotional outbursts yes, and nobody sees them coming, it's like, whoa, stay away from him or her. So if you have low self-regulation, I would guess that's a sign
1: of low emotional intelligence. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, and that can be, you know, it's not just anger, right? It's, you know, feeling immediately sad or, or feeling rejected or feeling um, lonely when you're, when you're not, uh, you know, maybe responding to certain things in certain ways that aren't helpful. When you, if you think about it, you, you would probably know what to do better if you just took a second to, to think about it. Mm-hmm. That That's a big part of that emotional intelligence. of Of not that of emotional intelligence itself is again knowing where your feelings come from, and then managing them in more positive and more effective ways. Mm-hmm. So if you know, for example, that when your friends, you know, let's say you're golfing with a group of friends, and they know that if you hit a shot a certain way. They can needle you, and it makes you angry, right? And <laughs> mm-hmm. that I, I, had, I had roommates in college. If any of you are listening, by the way, roommates from college, pay attention here. I had roommates in college who would deliberately say things or do things to make me react because I would kind of be explosive in my anger. I would get really mad, mm-hmm. and then they would just laugh and thankfully my my wife pointed it out. she wasn't my wife then, but she was going to be and she's like, "Why do you let them do that to you? They're just getting your goat to to watch you get upset and it, I, it just hit me like a like a like a lead balloon right I mean just like right between the eyes and I thought, "I'm such an idiot. Why do I let this happen to me and so I had thankfully someone point out to me that I was being emotionally unintelligent right. I was letting this happen to me. And when I allowed that to happen to me, I realized it wasn't their fault. It was my fault for not being able to handle this better. And I think many people probably right now could look at themselves and say, oh, I do that. I get so mad about these things and I don't know why. But if I just think about why and how to handle it differently, it'll make a huge difference. Mm, So good. All right, Andy, we have some good questions
0: and comments coming in on the text line. So I'm going to take a break and then we come back. We're going to deal with some of those. And I think one of the points we're going to talk about when we come back is just poor social skills. Uh, People have relationship problems because they have poor social skills. And that's going to lead us into a first comment that was made from a listener about uh, technology, as she said, or he said, is disabling these young students' ability to develop and care about emotional intelligence It's really, really scary. We have to find out how to stop this. So we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. Dr. Andy Skuttinga is my guest. He is a psychology professor at North Central University in Minneapolis. We'll be right back. If you have a question or comment, the text line is open just for you, (music) 877-933-2484.
1: Bill Arno. Time, drive time let's get it started afternoon
0: We are talking today about emotional intelligence and I'm doing that with Dr. Andy Scudinger who's a psychology professor Whenever I get a psychology professor on the show, I always like to talk these kinds of um, concerns because I think we can all improve our emotional intelligence, Andy. I think you said that at the break.
1: Yeah, it's one of those few things that nobody's ever fully, you know, arrived at. We can, no matter how good our EQ is, we can always improve it, which is kind of nice.
0: So let's talk about relationship problems as a result of simply poor social skills. Yeah. And if you have poor social skills, I'm guessing you've got a lower emotional intelligence.
1: I think level. that's a pretty close correlation. Yep.
0: Yeah. And one of the comments that came in from a listener is I work in a high school and I see every day how smartphones and other technology is disabling these young people's ability to develop and care about emotional intelligence. Yeah. It's really, really scary.
1: We have to find <laughs> out a way to stop this. I think that's uh, spot on. Um, I find it very concerning too. Um, you know, obviously, like you said, I'm a college professor. I work with college students and I see this, this lack of kind of awareness of what's going on around. I, I do see that slipping some. Um, a lot of students who walk around with their phones out while they're, while they're walking in the hallways. Yeah. Um, students who I get to know, sometimes I'll tease them. I'll be like, hey, you're going to fall off a bridge if you don't look up. And they'll look up at me like, what? I'll be like, yep, I see what you're doing. Um, we talk about this in class a lot, you know, just being able to unplug from your phone and pay attention to what's going on and i think it's very important that parents are aware of what cell phone usage does to their kids ability to connect with one another it is i can't stress this enough to anyone out there listening your phone is not the same level of connection as face to face and it never will be and if your kids are spending tons of time connecting through their phones they're they're missing out um if, if, if you're in charge of a school, have the kids put the phones away during the day so they talk to each other, not text each other during the day. It's, it's so important to do this. And to the person of the school, I, I, I hear you and feel you because we see that with college students too. And it's it's up to parents to make this happen. Um, I, I don't believe in passing this kind of responsibility on to schools because they're not going to do it. Um, I don't think they're equipped to do that other than saying, hey, we're going to take your phone away if you have it out. Um, but the reasoning behind it has to come from parents.
0: All right, Andy, here's another question. What can we do for someone who never asks you questions and it's not because
1: of shyness? <laughs> oh, that's, that's such a hard one in, in questions. I've been in that conversation many times myself too where you know, I'll keep asking questions, and after a while, when I get the sense that somebody talking to me really is just talking to me, they don't really care what I have to say, I'll just stop asking questions, and then we'll look at each other awkwardly for a minute, and they realize. Sometimes they realize I haven't asked you a single question. And then they'll be like, "Oh, so, um, you know, what do you what do you, what do you do?" <laughs> You're like, "Well, <laughs> twenty minutes in, I'm glad you asked. I'm a psychologist," and then they're like, "Oh, are you?" You know, then the next question is, "Are you analyzing me?" And my answer always is, "Nope. You'd have to pay me to do that." <laughs> and you know, usually that breaks the ice. And then there's, you know, maybe a follow-up question. But you know, to the listener's question, I, I think it's okay just to s- to stop asking them questions. Or if you're talking to someone who really doesn't want to ask you anything, and it- then they're not interested, and I would say move on. Um, just say, "Hey, well, it's nice chatting with you." Um, or it was nice. Uh, it was nice. You know, you can't say, "Hey, it was nice hearing you talk to me." That's not a very kind way to to get out of it. I mean, there's kind ways, and that's that's what I would suggest unless you are curious and want to ask them more things. Sometimes that's kind of fun too, right? You just see, oh, well, I wonder how much information I can get out of this person. Um I for whatever reason, people have always just felt comfortable sharing lots of things with me, and I just keep asking them questions. So you can learn a lot. I would recommend talking to, you know, like investment brokers and just get as much information out of them as you can and then go make a, you know, maybe make a new investment. There's, there's ways that you can turn this into uh, something very interesting for yourself as a conversation partner. Even if you're not getting anything in terms of what are they asking you, you can still make it pretty interesting. Either that or just move on and leave.
0: Mm.
1: Dr. Andy scudding is my guest. We're talking
0: today about emotional intelligence and we were talking about what emotionally, what bad, low emotional intel- intelligence may look like. But what about, um, let's talk about some of the positive signs of, of good emotional intelligence. And how about this, Andy? How about the ability to let go of mistakes?
1: Ooh, that's, I think that's pretty higher ordered emotional intelligence. Say more about that. Well, it takes a certain level of confidence, in yourself. And I think you also have to learn how to forgive yourself. We, I mean, we're fallen people. We're going to make mistakes every hour of every day, except when we're sleeping, right? Other mm-hmm. than that, every waking out we're probably going to do something wrong or have a, you know, a bad thought or whatever. I think we have to be kinder to ourselves. A lot of people's mental health issues stem from guilt and shame about themselves and if they, if we learn to be okay with the fact that we've made mistakes and we've done some wrong things and not okay in the terms of, well, I mean, oh, yeah, I did something really mean and terrible to my friend. Well, you know what? I'm okay, right? I forgive myself. No, that that's not what I'm talking about. But it's more the understanding that we we do fail and we can learn from our failures. And I think when we fail and try to learn from it, we'll feel better about ourselves because, well, now I know what I can improve. I know I can do something different. And when we're not so hard on ourselves, That I think that really can improve not only how we feel, but how we interact with other people around us.
0: Mm-hmm. So Andy, how do we um, really let go of mistakes where somebody has forgiven you and you've made a mistake? I'm not calling this sin. I'm just calling it a mistake. Mm-hmm. And something happened and you have forgiven the person, but that mistake lives in your brain. How do you pray your way through this? How do you say to God, I just need this mistake to not live rent-free in my head anymore?
1: I think how you said it is the way that you should go about doing it. Okay. you know, I think you just ask God, look, I, I give this to you now. Uh, take it from me or at least help me to cope with it in a, in a better way because it's eating at me and I don't know how to get rid of it. I I mean that's the kind of surrender to God that I think we can probably all do a lot more of yeah. instead of trying to fix it ourselves because if we've been forgiven let's you know if we've offended somebody and we've asked for forgiveness and they've forgiven us but we haven't forgiven ourselves that's where I think we probably need a little help from God to say all right you you don't need to hang on to this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people do do that. That's a that's a really common issue for folks is being unable to forgive themselves and move yeah. on.
0: Do you have any mistakes floating around your brain right now that come to the surface pretty easily? That you kind of cringe when you think about, or or is it a pretty clean slate up there? Oh, me personally, you personally?
1: Oh yeah. You know it's it's kind of funny. Um, I just got my teaching reviews back okay. today, and so I was I was reading through them. And, um, there were some things that were actually really helpful. I always tell my students, "Look, give me the truth i you're not gonna hurt my feelings i'm not I'm kind of too old for that stuff now. You know it's like if I did something dumb, then just tell me i'm I'll get over it right And so, all four of my classes all were all said the same thing, "Love your class. I wish you would have done this more, which is okay. I wish we would have had more student engagement, like small group conversations or question and answer times and i thought wow i i kind of i regret that i didn't do that more now what i have a choice here is and and so here's an example i have a choice now right i could spend the week just feeling really terrible about it like man i didn't do a good job this semester or i oh, what a mistake well okay it's kind of a big part of my job right it's keeping my students happy and and well taught so i look at it this way okay i can this is something i could literally improve next semester. I can mm-hmm. make a difference. I'll have a lot of these students again. I can demonstrate to them, okay, I take feedback and I do something smart with it and I use it and I'm not going to take it personally. But here's the catch, Bill. 10 years ago, when I was a younger faculty member, those comments would have bothered me. They would have mm-hmm. eaten at me, even though I had lots of positive comments, which, which I do. I have plenty of good things to build on. Those few negative comments would have really bugged me. But I've taught myself and learned that I have to be okay with good criticism and good feedback or else I'll never get better at what I do. And I think many people, myself included, are afraid of hearing that kind of feedback because it doesn't make us feel good and it also doesn't make us feel accomplished when in actuality if we handle it the right way, it can become really beneficial to us and we can use it as a challenge to make ourselves better at whatever it is we do or have done wrong.
0: Yeah. So you, uh, Andy Scuttinger, are using emotional intelligence in a way of accepting criticism and taking responsibility and leaving it at that. That's a That's a good thing.
1: Yeah. And again, to be real clear with all of our listeners, that didn't happen automatically for me. I, I had to learn that and I had to practice it. And I had you know i had supervisors or, or or maybe not quite mentors but i had bosses who literally said hey when you read these this is how you need to re- this is how you need to process it mm. you need to think about it in terms of how does this challenge you to become a better faculty member long term you know how do how do you become a better salesperson how do you become a better parent you know we don't we don't give out parenting surveys to our children usually maybe we should i don't know maybe we should maybe i should invent one <laughs> okay, that's my idea. Nobody take it. Um, I'm going to vent a parent survey for kids. Like That'll it. be really fun. I like it. I'm sure right. tons of parents want that. All right, Andy. So if you have a high,
0: <laughs> higher emotional intelligence and you're using it this way, I'm able to say no when I need to. Yeah. Is that, is that a person with a high emotional intelligence?
1: Well, I think so because it ties into your self-awareness and knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Okay. I think you can make a good argument for that for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. What about if you um, know why you do the things you do and you can articulate that? Would, would you say that is a person with a high EQ?
1: Yeah, I think so because it, it, that ties into that self-awareness piece and being honest about it with other people. There, There really is nothing wrong with telling people I'm not particularly good at that where, where I think we do some wrong things is when you say, so I won't do it. I, I will never forget this. We were in a church development seminar, you know, we went to a retreat center and we were having this big conversation about church stuff and it's, it was a complicated weekend for many reasons, but I distinctly remember someone standing up who was actually a college professor, ironically, and saying, well, look, I'm an introvert. I don't like greeting people at the door. I'm not good at it, so I refuse to do it. And I just thought, oh my goodness, that is awful. This is a terrible example of how to how to run a church. Um, and that to me was a great example of very low emotional intelligence. I am not good at this, so therefore I will never do it. And I don't also I don't like it, so I'll never do it. That's that's the whole opposite of what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with realizing your limitations. You know, I have no problem telling you that I don't always have great classes. I don't have a problem telling you that I'm always, I'm not always very emotionally intelligent myself, but I know on the other hand, I can do something about it. I can fix it and I'm aware of it. That's, that's a, that's a huge piece of this. It's when we stop and say, well, I won't, therefore I have a weakness. Therefore I will never engage with it. I don't think that's healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. We're talking about emotional intelligence with Dr. Andy Scuddinger. We're going to take a break here in just a sec, Andy. This question came in, and I'm not sure how I tie it into our discussion, but it is a good question. Um, how do we cope with the news today? Mm. So we're, and we hear or are exposed to a lot of very, very negative news. So what would be your recommendation, and what would your emotional intelligence level, how would that process bad news? I like it. Would you answer it now?
1: <laughs> we'll oh Sorry, I thought we were going to the break. No, no, I thought that was your questions. Hey, let's Start think about answer. this answer during the break. Okay. all right, we'll do right
0: that now. then. we'll do that. and then we'll come back and get the answer.
1: I like it right. better.
0: Yeah we're, uh, <laughs> My guest is Dr. Andy Scuddinger. We're talking about emotional intelligence and we'll be right back. I'm back with Dr. Andy Scudinger He is a psychology professor. And one of the areas in psychology, from what I'm told, is emotional intelligence. That's what we're talking about today. And right before the break, Andy, I was saying, um, how do we cope with the news today? And if we're going to be emotionally intelligent, how do we process all the horrible bad news we hear every day?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's important for us for for anyone who's considering this kind of question like yeah how do i how do i react to the news today i think it's important to understand or to ask yourself what makes me upset about the news what am i what bothers me the most and then ask yourself why does that bother me so much is it a sense of unfairness or injustice that bothers you is it I'm tired of hearing about these people who I can't stand. Um, You know, what are the reasons that the news might make you upset or what makes it hard to cope with it? Is it causing you anxiety to hear about lots of negative things in the news? And then the next step is to ask yourself, well, where does that anxiety come from? Or where do those negative feelings come from? Are they tied to something in your past? Or is it just kind of this vague sense of the world is falling apart and there's nothing I can do about it? And when you have the answers to those questions, then you can kind of attack the problem in the terms of, well, I, f- I feel this way about this situation. And, you know, obviously we don't know enough about the listener to know something specific. But, you know, if you're, if you're getting really upset about a certain item in the news, like rising crime rates, if you're angry about that, ask yourself, well, what am I angry about? Am I angry about the unfairness of people having crimes perpetuated against them? Or am I angry about government or the police you know when you when you get to the answers of those things then you can ask yourself is that really worth me getting angry about can i do anything about it how do i cope with this in a more healthy way that's kind of the beginning of what i would say it could be a really easy short process or maybe it requires a lot longer uh, amount of thinking about the things that bother you Mm -hmm.
0: another question andy um can grief or sad thoughts make a person fatigued or exhausted
1: Absolutely. You bet. I think grief is very weighty. Sadness is weighty. You carry a burden around and it's not just an emotional burden. I think it's a physical one too for many people. I think a lot of our feelings have, uh, you know, they have a physiological response to them. And we like even hiking by yourself up a hill makes your backpack feel heavier (laughs) when you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. So literally, if you took a 20-pound pack on a hike and went by yourself versus a 20-pound pack and you went with a friend, that pack is going to feel lighter when you're with somebody than when you're by yourself. That's so true. So there's a lot of evidence that suggests that we feel things physically with emotions, and they can definitely be weighty and make us feel heavy. And I would certainly say that sadness and grief definitely makes you tired. It is exhausting, and when you deal with it all the time, um, it just weighs on you more and more. And so you do need to get more sleep. You need to make sure that you're resting, Um, even if it means maybe cutting out some positive things and saying, I need some rest. I'm grieving, I'm tired, and I'm sad. Make sure you get enough sleep. That's a huge piece of the puzzle for so many issues in our lives sleep mm-hmm. it really Yeah, is. Oh,
0: amen to that. Andy, let's talk a little bit about how uh, emotional intelligence is going to influence your decisions and your behaviors. You know, I know for some people will say, "Well, I don't feel like doing something," so that they just don't do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a it's a real detriment or it's a real motivator, um, yeah. you know, acting on our on our feelings. It can cut both ways. You know, you can have, you can be paralyzed by your emotions uh, when it comes to decision making, and it can also propel you into making bad decisions because you're moving too quickly because you're trying to get away from a negative feeling, right? We tend to want to run away from negative feelings and we tend to want to stick around with the good feelings. Um, And so we make decisions oftentimes based on how will this make me feel, when a lot of our decision making should be based on how will this impact my life rather than how does it make me feel because we can't always trust our feelings. You know, one one of my grad school professors said, trust your gut sometimes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, well (laughs) wait, what do you mean? Well a lot of times going with your intuition is a is a bad decision because it's often feeling oriented. Now, sometimes, you know, this was in a counseling program, so the idea was when your gut says, I need to ask a question about this, then trust your gut because you're probably catching something that's very meaningful for a client. But when you are at the store and you're trying to decide what to make for dinner, I don't recommend making an emotional decision about that. Mm -hmm. I recommend thinking about it, you know, like, well, how much time do we have? How much is this going to cost, right? But if you're like, that steak is just going to make me feel so good when I eat it. Okay, well, the steak is like 23 bucks for one. So you got to feed mm-hmm. four people, or you're going to drop $80 on, you know, prime rib for tonight. Or should you get corn dogs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to think about that a little bit. And even little decisions like that can make a big difference in our life. Yeah, I know what the scudding is are having for dinner tonight. Corn dogs. No, that, uh, I mean, that's tempting. We're having spaghetti. Mm-hmm. I do know that for sure. Okay, awesome. So I, I tried to
0: think of <laughs> the three things that we could put in a brown paper bag that let people take home tonight Ooh, in like a that. way to feel like they could improve their emotional intelligence. Because, you know, this is a topic that at the beginning of the hour, you said everybody can can improve on this. So that was exciting. So yeah. I want to say what's in that brown paper bag that we can all take home tonight That will help us improve our emotional intelligence. And I think step one, Andy, if I have this right, after listening to you for the last hour, is pay attention.
1: Yes. Listen. Yep. That would be the first one. And listen with an unencumbered ear. Mm -hmm. In other words, don't think about what you're going to say next. Let the person fully finish. And then start thinking about what you're going to say. And you know, obviously you can't take two minutes to say something back. But when you've fully heard and understand them, your conversation is going to be better. So that's one. The second thing is practice empathy. Yeah. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Try to do that more often, especially if it's in a maybe a slightly difficult or awkward conversation. And you're wondering, what are they trying to say to me? That's when you might think about, well, maybe I should put myself in that person's shoes a little bit and understand where they're coming from. Hmm.
0: And then I thought the other thing would be, and I could be wrong on this, Andy, but when you um, consider your emotions and how they influence your decisions and behaviors. Yes. And I think if you evaluate those and say, why am I making this decision or doing this behavior, you can go back to your own emotions.
1: That's, once again, I will say you're exactly right, Bill.
0: All right. All right.
1: It's... It's, it's going back and, and thinking about, you know, reflecting on what happened and how did I react. And what I think, what I tend to do is not, I tend to think about what maybe the other person said, you know, like particularly like in a conflict situation or, um, you know, like a tense conversation about something. I tend to go back and think about what the other person said or did. And what I think would be helpful for all of us is to think about, our own reactions, and why we handled the situation the way that we did, and why did I feel that way? Why did it bother me so much that somebody said this? Or why did it bother me? Why did I get so upset about this? It's really important for us to go back and think about our reaction rather than the other person's reaction. Mm
0: -hmm. Andy, do you think you can solve problems in ways that work for everyone? No. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know how you were going to answer that one.
1: Nope. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can try. Yeah. But you can also wear yourself down trying to think of ways that makes yeah. everybody happy. I mean, I how about in your own can household?
0: Can you can you make a decision, you and your wife, that really makes works for everyone? Yeah, because that's
1: four people. Okay. <laughs> and we know each other really well, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you know, at work, you I don't think you can always do that. Or if you're a no. leader who's in charge of something, good luck making everybody happy. I think yeah. you're better off just embracing the fact that you know almost every major decision you're going to make there's going to be a few people who are just plain unhappy yeah and then but people with high emotional intelligence will seek those people out and make sure that they're heard and understood you you maybe you have 30 people you manage and 27 of them think it's great what you did and you know there's three who are unhappy you don't go to the 27 and say yeah look what we did that was brilliant you go to the three and you say hey look I know you weren't happy about that. Let's talk about it. Tell me, tell me what you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. And then listen to them, right? Or in your family, you can do this. We made a decision, kids. Here's how it's going to happen. And one kid is really unhappy. You talk to that kid and make sure that you're still on the same page. They know you love them. They know that you made the decision for the best of them and you help them understand. But you also make sure that you understand how they feel. Mm, awesome.
0: Andy, thanks so much. I really like hanging out with you. It's always a pleasure. Always is a pleasure for me as well. Thanks. Thank you so much. Dr. Andy Skuniga has been my guest for this last hour, talking about emotional intelligence. If you missed any of it, check out the podcast. Go to myfaithradio.com. I end tonight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.